What's up, sports fans, and welcome to an all-new episode of Football Fanatics here on Final Timeout Sports. I'm your host, as always, Forbes Crowley, joined by my co-host, Fernando Doctors. Now on this 18th episode of Football Fanatics, we're going to be breaking down everything that happened here in Week 6, and we're going to kick it off with overall just our, our biggest disappointments from Week 6. Nando, I'll kick it off to you. What really pissed you off about week six of NFL football? Oof, it's got to be the Broncos, man. And I know I... Time and time again. And continue <laughs> time and time again to talk about these Broncos. But I think this might just have to be my final episode. Uh, unless, of course, they decide to completely flip the script. But, you know, Forbes... He starts, Russell Wilson, that is, starts 10 for 10 to kick off the first quarter. And you're thinking, wow, like, this is it, week six. They finally figured it out, you know, over $50 million a year for this guy. Like, he's finally got it. And, of course, they find themselves in yet another game, scoring less than 20 points and going to overtime. And it's like, Forbes, I don't know about you, man, but... For me, it's like these aren't even exciting. It's like, oh, man, there's more. Like, they have to continue playing. Like, I personally didn't even uh, watch that second half. I was like, I had it. I pretty much know what's going on from here. Um, just just so honestly pedestrian on offense. Their defense has really been pulling through. Um, that being said, Coach Nathaniel Hackett as well. I mean, oh, it's, it's so poor, to be honest. Yeah. It's so poor. And honestly, it's it's as if these two. It's it's tough to really go back and forth who really deserves blame. But I mean, Russell Wilson is looking is looking bad to say the least. He's not the same MVP caliber quarterback he once was. You know, Forbes. I think the best analogy for this entire Broncos franchise at the moment is like when you order like a nice burrito at Chipotle, but you're this is DoorDash, you know, so. There's all this time, it gets made, you know, and then, anyways, you're basically getting a soggy burrito, even though, you know, once you ordered it, you were imagining something is unbelievably tasty and flavorful, you know, a typical late night Chipotle, but instead you get this soggy mess, and you honestly don't know what to do with it, because you didn't get a fork either, you know, (laughs) it's truly devastating what this Broncos team is. I don't want to say anything more about it because they don't deserve another breath, another word. They just stink. But to kick things over to you, Forbes, what's your take? Who is the most surprising team right now, whether that's for the worse or for the better? You know, I went back and forth with this, um, and I keep coming back to the Washington Commanders. Um, You know, obviously... They were coming into this week one and four, um, really no expectations for the team. Ron Rivera had essentially sold uh, Carson Wentz out as being the reason that they're not being successful uh, in the NFC East. But I wanted to highlight how terrible they played against one of the worst teams in the league, this, the Chicago Bears. So I have my my notes here titled uh, "The Dumpster Fire That Is the Washington Commanders." So first, yeah, <laughs> the Commanders are lost on just every single level of their organization. Yes, like I said, they just managed to beat a Chicago Bears team last Thursday, 
uh, and a game that was almost worse than last Thursday night's or the the previous week's uh, Colts Broncos game, um, which I'm sure I don't need to tell you anything about. That was heinous, um, but you know, it's just. It's so bad, and, you know, I mean, the first half, it was on a similar trajectory that that Colts-Broncos game was in. Was it, like, 6-3 or or 3-3 in the half? Um, But, you know, by all means, Washington should not have won that game. They had 14 first downs compared to Chicago's 20. Um, Washington had 214 yards of total offense compared to Chicago's 392. And the only reason the, the Commanders won the game was due to errors by Chicago and mainly those three turnovers that they had in the red zone. Um, You know, a Justin Fields interception in the end zone, um, turnover and downs in the middle of the game right at the one-yard line, and then a muffed punt inside the 20 that led to uh, Washington's only touchdown. I mean, this is really the only reason that Washington was, was able to scrape by with one of the worst wins I've seen in a while and I'd say in years, if it weren't for that Colts Broncos game uh, the previous week. But you know, you looking at their team itself, I I took the time to look into these guys a lot because I was just like, how are they so so bad? Um, and you look at their roster, and they have some decent guys, but you know, they aren't cohesive enough on their offense and defense, um, or skilled enough to really carry the team. Look at the defensive side of the ball. My God, are they missing Chase Young? I mean, their defense was getting cut apart um, by the Bears running offense. Um, and not, you know, the Bears don't have a a super special running offense. You know, they put up a lot of yards because they don't throw the ball with Justin Fields because he's awful. Um, but that's a conversation for another story. Um, that, you know, <laughs> they allowed 238 rushing yards on 37 attempts. Uh, which comes out to 6.4 yards per carry, uh, which is really bad. They also allowed the aforementioned terrible Justin Fields to throw for 190 yards and a touchdown, almost uh, two touchdowns if Darnell Mooney could have caught that ball initially at the end of the game. Um, you know, if he doesn't need a bobble to hold on to that ball, then suddenly the the commanders are 1-5 are and, and even more embarrassing. But... You know, on the offensive side of the ball, dear God, that was just bad. Um, Carson Wentz was only slightly better than his performance against the Titans, but he still showed that he's just an absolute shell of the player that he used to be. I mean, it's it's insane. Like, we, we see the last couple games that he played for the Colts last year, and we're like, what happened to this guy? We were so, you know, high on him. We were expecting him to come back better. And then you see this year, and you're like, oh, okay, this makes more sense. You're like, okay, he's just not good anymore. Uh, so, you know, I got I got Terry McLaurin on my fantasy team, and I think now that he has a better potential output with uh, Henneke than he does with Wentz. So, um, you know, and then on top of all of that, we come to the renewed controversy that has reemerged, like, yet again um, about their owner, Dan Snyder. So over the past 20 years that Snyder's owned the Commanders slash Redskins, um, he's absolutely run this organization into the ground. I mean, it used to be a solid organization that was competitive and everything, but he has really just destroyed it. Um, 
He always pushed back against the uh, the name change for the longest time. He would uh, refer to this specific study that said that uh, only, I think it was 10 to 20% of Native Americans were offended by the name Redskins, and so he refused to change the name and uh, only changed it after there was uh, more controversy that I'll, that I'll come, come to later. But um, there have been numerous complaints and lawsuits that have alleged sexual misconduct, toxic workplace, and just downright being a terrible person by him. Um, so, you know, it's insane. And then you look on top of that, not just being a terrible person, He's just a terrible owner, too. He absolutely blew a new stadium deal in recent years just due to this his brashness and just rude demeanor. He tried to get, um, you know, one of those DMV states that our, our boy Jelani has in his fantasy football namesake to pay for the stadium. They're taxpayers to pay for the stadium, and, you know, nobody went for it, and he blew a fuse, and, you know, the deal really didn't end up working out, obviously, because... Um, you know, we saw last year that a section of their stadium collapsed and injured some fans. Um, so, and yeah, some of those fans filed lawsuits against the commanders. Um, uh, you know, I got a buddy who's a Giants fan who says that, um, he's thankful that Snyder's the owner because that ensures that the Giants will never come in worse than third place while he's around. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the problem is that, um, to make all of these massive changes that the Washington commanders need to happen, they have to have a change of ownership. And Dan Snyder has said that he will not sell, you know, right now, technically his wife um, is in control, yet he still is um, exercising a lot of power to make decisions within that organization. Um, So, you know, the problem is that um, the other owners would need to vote him out um, and, that's that's starting to potentially be a possibility, but it's going to take time. And even after that, you know, they're going to need the commanders are really going to need to build up um, kind of their culture and organization that's just been eroded since Dan Snyder really took over this organization twenty plus years ago. Um, but I'll, I'll end my rant more or less there uh, and move on to. Some more interesting conversations and conversations that we definitely thought that we were not going to have um, at least through six weeks in the season. Are the Jets and the Giants for real? Um, you know, I'll, I'll start off with the Jets since they reside in our favorite AFC East division. Um, I will say, uh, like I said when we did our, our episode covering the AFC East in preseason, I think the Jets won the draft. Um, starting with their, I believe it was fourth overall pick in the first round, um, Sauce Gardner, for all his flair and, you know, kind of in-your-face style, he's really backing it up. Um, he has eight pass deflections, which is tied for third in the league, and QBs have a 34 QBR when targeting the receiver he's covering. Um, he finally seems to be, you know, the, the lockdown corner that the Jets really want, and he's also already had to work against some of the best talent in the league um, in the forms of, Amari Cooper, Jamar Chase, and Tyreek Hill. Um, so, you know, he's he has an opportunity to really be a, a very special player. Um, then, you know, you look on the offensive side of the ball. Garrett Wilson, um, Ohio State product, is showing that he's an absolutely crisp route runner, uh, great hands, great speed. Um, you know, I think he can become a great target for Zach Wilson. I will say that 
his production definitely went slightly down once the uh, Zach Wilson came back and Joe Flacco went out. I think that's partially due to the fact that Zach Wilson um, was already kind of had this rapport with Braxton Berrios, our former Pat, um, and kind of just goes to him more. I think that as they get more and more comfortable with each other, Zach Wilson and, and uh, Garrett Wilson, that is to say, I think we'll probably see a lot of uh, Wilson to Wilson. Um, and then, you know, second round pick, Brees Hall uh, has finally taken over Michael Carter for the RB1 spot. You know, he's, he's going to be a good, good back, um, without a doubt. Um, and then, you know, their second year guard, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, I believe out of USC, you know, he's been solid. Um, he was moved to right tackle from right guard. And yeah, like I said, he's just been a solid, solid, um, guy on that offensive line. Um, but you know, Zach Wilson being out a couple weeks, kind of, we were expecting the Jets of old, especially when we saw that week one performance against the Ravens. Um, but suddenly, you know, we're heading into week seven and the Jets are four and two, um, sitting in, you know, second in the AFC East, just one game behind the Bills. Um, but while the Jets might be better and might be uh, a little more solid this year, the, we can't sleep on the fact that they do not have an easy schedule to uh, finish out the season. They have to play the Bills twice, the Pats twice, who, you know, I know are not necessarily the Pats of old, but the Jets have historically struggled uh, against the Pats. And so far, I mean, it's only been two games, but so far, Zach Wilson cannot figure out um, the Pats defense. And the way it's looking this year, he's going to continue to struggle. Um, then they have to go away against a 5-1 and Vikings team, uh, away against the aforementioned Broncos team that, Obviously, he's struggling, but that defense could probably give uh, give Zach Wilson some fits um, before they have to end their season away against the Dolphins. So, you know, I looking at it right now, the Jets have the best chance, uh, you know, to have as good of a season as their 2010 season, which was the last time they, you know, appeared in the uh, postseason. Um, but the biggest thing is that uh, Zach Wilson really needs to improve on his passing game. Obviously, he's a versatile quarterback he can run he can throw but he needs to work on his pure passing ability um he's only thrown for one touchdown in the three games that he's played for the jets this season uh and it's so clear that they're relying on the run game to generate most of their offense so they need to really impress on zach wilson that his growth is uh you know directly correlated to the success of this team um you know, I think Coach Law is, is doing a great job um, defensively. I mean, clearly he's a defensive mind, and he's been doing a great job um, getting those defenses ready. I think, you know, in this last week they exposed kind of a, a Green Bay Packers team for being a worse team than everyone kind of expected. So, you know, the Jets are impressing me this year for sure. Um, you know, I honestly thought it was going to take more time for this rookie class to develop, even though I said that they would be good. But they're really, you know, coming together very quickly. Um, so moving to our other New York team on the docket uh, and the New York Giants. Um, in my opinion, Brian Dable, through six weeks, coach of the year. Um, I mean, he's absolutely killing it in terms of schemes and play calling. He inherited a bunch of contracts that he didn't negotiate, didn't want, and now he's making the best of them, um, you know. 
Saquon is obviously having uh, a resurgence. I think I saw that he has rushed for at least 70 yards in um, every single game this season. Daniel Jones is playing some of his best football as a pro. Granted, that's not saying a lot, but it's, it's still it's still good. Um, and obviously their defense right now is um, where they're looking the best. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, definitely a great pick by them in the uh, the top five, top six maybe. Uh, yeah, sixth overall pick for Kayvon, and uh, he's looking great. He had the forced fumble that sealed the game against the Ravens this past week. Um but, yeah, like I said, similarly to the Jets, their offense is going to be something that limits them. Um, their wide receivers need to, to step up big. Um, they paid a couple of those guys some decent money, used some draft picks, and I think it's really time that they, they start seeing some returns on those. Otherwise, um, yeah, they might need to look elsewhere for, for some receiving help. Um, you never know. Maybe Odell's an, uh, an opportunity. Deshaun uh, Jackson is not anymore as he just signed with the Ravens. But... Um, you know, Kadarius Tony, um, Sterling Shepard, a bunch of those guys got to step up. Um, or sorry, not Sterling Shepard because he's on IR, but those other guys. Um, but you know, it's looking crazy, at though, when you think about it. Oh yeah, that the Giants are winning these games with Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, the charge. it's nuts. That yeah, the last thing I'll come back to is. They still need to play the Cowboys again, which are the, is their one loss of the season. Um, they still need to play both divisional games uh, against the undefeated Eagles. So they do still have um, some tough games ahead of them. And, um, you know, they've already exceeded expectations. Haven't they exceeded their, their win total from last year? Um, so, you know, we talked about uh, the NFC West having two to three playoff teams. The NFC East could very well have two to three playoffs team, playoff teams. And I will say, a couple weeks ago, I was clowned for saying that the NFC East was maybe the most competitive division in football. Right now, I wholeheartedly stand by that uh, that comment. You got 6-0, 5-1, 4-2, and then the Commanders. But either way, that or uh, you know the AFC West, most competitive divisions in football... Giants have a chance to really su- surprise some folks, as do the Jets. I'd say that the Giants probably have a better bit of a better uh, bit of a bit of a better chance. Sorry, um, you know, with the Jets having to play the Pats and Bills uh, twice, along with uh, the Dolphins, I believe in Miami. It's going to be those are those are five tough games, along with you know some other games that the Jets are never really a, a, a guarantee to win. Um, so we'll have to see in the coming weeks if it's more of just a flare up for the Jets in this beginning of the season, or if you know they're they're really for real. Uh, but I've I've definitely talked for long enough, Nando. I'll, I'll kick it over to you. Jets and Giants, who's for real? I think I'm gonna have to agree with you exactly. I mean, if we're just comparing it off the Jets playing the Packers this past week um, and the Giants playing the Packers, I mean the Jets definitely had the more convincing win, albeit their quarterback threw for 100 yards. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That being said, the Giants, I mean, their schedule, it's so winnable. I mean, especially compared to the games that they've been in. I mean, Brian Dable's doing a brilliant, a truly incredible job with the Giants. I mean, oh my God, I don't know how they won last week. Uh, Unbelievable. 
unbelievable. Their defense is incredibly consistent, you know, putting their offense in great position. The three times they scored, I, they Daniel Jones basically inherited the ball in the Ravens' territory. Yeah. You know, two were off turnovers, of course, and one was a kick return that basically took them in the four, 45, I would say, more or less, Ravens' territory. And it's like, here you go, man. Yeah. Just like Jimmy G in the 49ers. Silver platter. Um, kind of just like riding, like game script, you know, taking with what you got. And I mean, this Giants team, I feel like has to be legit, um, legit to a certain extent. I just cannot believe that these guys could win the Super Bowl. I mean, they yeah. they just don't have that firepower on offense. But that being said, I mean, they're, they're heading into a week six game against the Ravens. And they're basically without all their wide receivers. Like you mentioned, Kadarius Tony was injured. Sterling Shepard, they obviously lost him to an ACL injury a few weeks earlier. Um, and Wondell Robinson, like, stepped up. And Bellinger, tight end position, and obviously, you know, riding, riding Saquon, man. This dude is legit. This guy's so damn good. It's great to see that he's got a comeback brewing for him. Um, that being said, I do see the Giants... Um, making a playoff push i really am curious to see how the cowboys um you know get back in stride with dak uh taking the keys back to the house you know cooper rush held his own so that should that should be an interesting dynamic and i, I can't wait to see how the nfc east uh breaks down in, in later weeks um the new york jets though damn forbes i remember you said that they were going to come in third and miami was going to come in fourth and i think you might be right i think the jets might come in third, but you know what? We might be coming in last. I was gonna say I might have the I might have us switch there. <laughs> the Jets, their front office totally killed the draft. These young players stepping up big time between Brees Hall, you know, filling in that RB one role and looking as dynamic as some of the best in this league. Garrett Wilson with a hot start, you know, still needs to gel with Zach Wilson, like you mentioned. But you know, they've got quality. At the receiving corps, you know, Elijah Moore um, had a pretty good season last year. I'm sure he'll continue to step up. Corey Davis as well. Like, they, they definitely got the Giants in the receiving department. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's really going to come down to Zach Wilson. I think they believe in this guy, and it's going to be, A, can you protect the football? And, B, can you just kind of do what Daniel Jones uh, is doing this season? You know, not pissing it away and putting your team in a good position for, you know, the playmakers to make plays and, you know, your defense to help you out and just to keep, you know, riding the momentum and winning games. Um, I do, though, see the Jets struggling a bit with their with the schedule they have. I think it's pretty, pretty different than that of the Giants. Yeah. Like you mentioned, they're going to have to play the Bills a couple times in, in, uh, in, in weeks to come. Um, that being said... They do have a game against the Broncos, who I'm sure the Broncos have got to be fired up because I mean, or it's it's now or never, honestly. Yeah. It's coming off an incredible away win, um, and that marks a couple of those now uh, between their insane comeback win against the Browns earlier in the season, um, where they scored you know twice with like a minute and a half left, you know, beating the Steelers away, and obviously like I just mentioned the Packers again away, like. They can win away, and this is this is a good team. So I'm sure that'll be a really good game. The Broncos have got to be fired up, but you know they're gonna have to play the Pats twice in three weeks. They're gonna play the Bills, the Vikings, 
who are five and one and definitely overperforming and I can't wait to see what that team can do. But the Jets are going to have, you know, a run for their money here. But, you know, I, if there's any young team that can step up to the plate, I think it's this New York Jets team who has definitely exceeded expectations. Yeah, it's it's something that we're not used to saying, saying we'll believe in this young Jets team or we'll believe in the Jets at all. Um, but it's something that, yeah, I don't feel too crazy saying for this season. Um, but... Last kind of section we'll have here. A couple teams that got to decide, is it time for concern? Um, the Bucks, Ravens, and Packers. Um, you know, three teams that were either all or mostly favorites. Um, you know, I think you picked all these guys to win their division. I picked all of them except for uh, the Ravens to win the division. Um, so who are you most concerned about and who are you least concerned about? Who do you think is going to be able to right the ship easier than the others? Oof. That's a good question. Um, I'm concerned about the Packers, Forbes. I'm really concerned about the Packers. And here's why. They're not showing us anything on either side of the football. Their defense is bleeding yards especially on the run. I mean, we were thinking that we were going to get a top 10 defense out of the Packers this year, and we've, you know, similar to, like, what we predicted about the Saints, been pretty underwhelmed in that department. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers hasn't figured it out yet. Straight up, he has not figured it out yet. Is it fully on him? I won't say that, but, I mean, they got to come up with something right now because this team just got, you know, pretty, pretty disrespected disrespected sorry by the new york jets at home i mean yeah. all, only putting up 10 points against what's not an unbelievably talented jets defense is a bit concerning you know if i'm aaron Rodgers, i'm definitely a little frustrated but i'm also trying to find solutions i think they gotta you know continue running schemes where they have both running backs uh on the field you know uh aaron jones and um A.J. Dillon, those guys are, are pretty talented, and, you know, we don't really know who's going to step up for, for his receivers, whether that's going to be Romeo Dobbs, Randall Cobb, you know, the vet, and longtime uh, Aaron Rodgers receiver, on top of, you know, rookie Christian Watson, um, um, Artanian that's that had that good um, 20, 20, 2020 season, I believe. You know, last season he was injured. Um, but it's like, it's like it's it's now or never, you know. It, it really is now or never, and they've got a game with the Commanders. You've already spoken enough about how how shocking this team is. That's got to be a win because next games, you know, October thirtieth, Sunday night is in Buffalo, and that one could be bad. That one really could be bad. Yeah. Um, who do you got, Forbes? Who's your biggest disappointment right now? Or not disappointment, but you know, who who, who are you a little nervous about? I I have to completely agree the Packers. I think this one out of the three of these teams is the most obvious. I mean, this Packers offense is clearly missing Devontae Adams. Um, but, you know, what's more is the guys intended to pick up the slack. Like you mentioned, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, um, and Alan Lazard have not been able to really jumpstart this offense. Um, you know, I agree. I think they need to have a lot of 
lot more two-back um, schemes and stuff because they need these two guys, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, on the field. Other than, you know, Aaron Rodgers, they're the best um, playmakers on the field and, you know, most versatile players on the field. So they need to figure stuff out. But what's more is that Aaron Rodgers really doesn't look as, as clean and clinical as he has for the last couple seasons. Um I mean, he's missing throws by a couple of yards that he nails, you know, nine times out of ten. So, either his head isn't in it, maybe from too many psychedelics, or he's just hurt or aging. Um, I think the latter, or pissed, or pissed that he doesn't have Devontae Adams anymore. I think, you know, the last two are probably the most likely. Um, I don't see him, you know really just being in his own head, although I do think that he has a lot of things similar to Brady Loki uh, going along or going on um, behind the scenes. So, you know, they have a bit of a gimme game this week against the Commanders, but they still need to figure it out. Um, because like you said, yeah, they have to travel to Buffalo to play the Bills in week eight. It's just going to be a very, very difficult game against a strong, strong Bills team. Um, you know, so they're trying to avoid the first ever three-game losing streak they would have under Matt LaFleur. Um, but, you know, they still need to mention, like I said, the aforementioned Bills away, Cowboys at home, away against the Eagles, home against the Rams, away against the Dolphins, and then uh, again home against the Vikings before they end the season um, against the the confusing the Lions. But, um, yeah, they have a tough schedule ahead of them overall. Um and I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I could see the Packers missing the playoffs this year, straight up. Um, oh, for sure. You know, like they now, especially with the development of the NFC East, potentially seeing two, maybe three playoff teams from there, probably two, I'd have to say. I, my guess is you're still going to have two from, what is that, the NFC West and the uh, the Rams and the 49ers. You could probably have two of those guys making it, or if the Cardinals make a push once they now that they've got um, DeAndre Hopkins back. But, yeah, the Packers are really, you know, in, in danger here of starting to slip. So I th- I'm a little concerned about them. Or, sorry, I'm very concerned about them. Um, and then, you know, the three teams, the, the team that I had in the middle ground for being concerning right now, I went with the Ravens. Um, you know, obviously no one can doubt the fact that they are an extremely talented and solid team. Um, but the biggest area of concern for me is the fact that uh, the Ravens have blown three double-digit leads. I mean, that's absolutely unheard of in a team coached by John Harborough. Um, and I obviously I don't want to put all of the blame on Lamar because it's not all on him. But I will say uh, I was watching um, some ESPN earlier and Believe it or not, Booger McFarland brought up this uh, this point, and I was just like, oh, that's not actually the worst point ever. Um, brought up the fact that, you know, Lamar is giving them these leads, but he's also giving these leads up. You know, you look at the Giants game, that interception that he forced after that kind of errant snap. I mean, that's you don't do that. He's, he's a veteran at this point. He should know. Um, and then, yeah, the fumble, you know, just have to have more awareness than that um so you know he started off as 
playing absolute MVP caliber, looking like the absolute favorite for um, the MVP runnings. And then since then, yeah, definitely struggling. Um, and just overall, the fourth quarter play of the Ravens is concerning. I mean, they were up 20-3 to going into the half against the Bills, and they lost that game. Um, I mean, you that's... That's a 17-point lead. Granted, that's, you know, an entire half, not just the fourth quarter. But that's definitely, you know, concerning. Um, I'm not too, too worried about them making the playoffs. I do still think they have a solid chance. They even have a solid chance to win the AFC North, given that they already have the already have a one-game tiebreaker lead on uh, the Bengals. But, you know, they're going to have to grind it out. Um it's, it's definitely going to be tough. Um, and then, you know, least concerned, I'd say the Bucks. Um, you know, talent-wise, I'd say they are definitely um, the most complete out of these three teams. Um, they, you know, defensively especially, um, their linebacking core I think is super talented. Um, their DBs definitely... Could be doing better, but still solid. Um, and honestly, yeah, it just comes comes out to the offensive side of the ball. Comes out to, to Brady maybe skipping you know a wedding and not being late to your team's practices and stuff. I mean, you're sacrificing your marriage for this uh, for this season, yet you're gonna miss practices so you can go to your old boss's uh, wedding. I mean, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but. Brady hasn't made a lot of sense to me in the past couple of years, but that being said, you know, they got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin's going to return true to form. Um, Leonard Fournette's playing very well. Um, I hope that uh, Cameron Brate, who had a scary injury um, last week, is able to have a quick recovery. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a, uh, a Bucks team that is in danger of losing the lead in a division that we did not think this is possible. I mean, they are, it's three and three. They're tied with the Falcons. Yeah. The Falcons have really surprised people. Like uh-huh. that is, that's something that absolutely neither of us thought was going to happen. So, you know, they still, still need to prove that they deserve to be on top of that division. Um, and, I mean, it'll help that they get to play the Panthers this week. Um, by the way, just quick plug, I said that Matt Rule was going to be fired within halfway through the season. Another one I was right on, just uh, saying that one. But, you know, they'll, they'll get above 500 with this Panthers game, but then they got to play the Ravens. Um, they got to play the Rams. Um, then, you know, Browns before they have Deshaun back. Saints that are struggling, although Saints have historically giving Brady and the Bucks some trouble. 49ers defense that will probably be uh, healthier by then. Or play the Bengals, and then, you know, they finish off on three teams or two teams that we're unsure about, Cardinals, Panthers are bad, and, and Falcons. So it's a more surprising division than we definitely thought. I will say still, though, least concerned about them just given the talent and history of success in that roster. 
Yeah, no, now's not the time, no. Yeah. But, no, I mean, haven't, hasn't everybody learned, you know, moving on to Cincinnati? Oh, yeah. Uh, three and three is, is not a, is not too much of an issue for this guy. He's, he's faced some adversity, um, and yet we're not halfway through the season, like you said. So, Forbes, what are your, what are your uh, three locks for the week? They can include props, spread, whatever you so please. You know, that's, that's definitely a good one. Um, I'm going to start off with a nice 1 o'clock game. I'm going to go with, you know, the Bucks panthers game, Bucks money line. I, I won't be as brash to say that, um, you know, I'll take Bucks spread minus 11, but I do have confidence in that this Tom Brady team is going to turn around. I see Brady throwing for at least two touchdowns, one of which is definitely going to Mike Evans. Um, and definitely a bounce back game to get above 500. Then, you know, I'm looking at the Giants Jags game, another one o'clock game. That one, I'm looking at a prop bet Saquon Barkley to score a touchdown, um, going up against the 27th ranked um, rushing defense in the league. Um, obviously, as we've said before in this podcast, we are. Um, Sorry, the Giants are hammering um, that rushing game and really trying to keep as much pressure and as much, um, you know, as many throws off of Daniel Jones' shoulders as possible. Um, So I got Saquon scoring in that Giants-Jags game, also at 1 o'clock. And then 4.05, I'm going with uh, Jets plus 1. Four or five hours ago, uh, it was Jets plus 2. Seems like Vegas has started to understand that the Jets might actually be for real. And like you've mentioned plenty of times, the Broncos are trash. Um, so I have, yeah, I have Jets plus one. I think that, yeah, they might really go into to mile high and really show Russell Wilson um, that he is underperforming. Um, this Jets defense... We'll see. Obviously, they have a lot to deal with in Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, who obviously have both underperformed this year. But um, I feel confident in this this Jets team, which is a weird, weird thing to say. Um, but, yeah, I think Jets plus one, Saquon to score a touchdown, uh, and the Bucks money line. And, you know, just because he's on my team and I'm feeling confident in him, toss Austin Eckler in there for a touchdown too. Nando, what do you got? All right, I'm going to kick things off. I'm going to agree with you on Mike Evans. Mike Evans is a lock to score this game, to say the least. He's been held out of the end zone for a couple games now, and the Bucks, more than anybody, need a big win against this Panthers team. That's been an absolute mess, like you mentioned earlier. Um, count on Mike Evans to score, no doubt. And boy, am I excited for this one, Forbes. Tomorrow is the return of DeAndre Hopkins. Finally. Boy, do the Cardinals miss that dude. Yeah. Hollywood Brown, perhaps going to miss the rest of the season. You know, this is the time for DeAndre Hopkins to shine. We all know what he can do. I'm banking on Kyler to keep finding him. Um, Jamar Chase absolutely destroyed the Saints yes, or this past week. I'm expecting DeAndre Hopkins to at the least find the end zone on his debut um, for the 2022 season. And the last and final bet, I'm going to keep on the trend for any time touchdown. Um, And I'm going to 
slam our boy Ramondre. Um, this is too early, so I can't see the line um, like uh, with Mike Evans. That being said, this dude is legit. He's going to be an insane back in this league. He's got everything when it comes to durability. He's a power back that is also, you know, pretty agile, I would say, Forbes. And this guy, is, I love him, and I've loved him since we, since he signed with the Patriots uh, just last season. This guy is a sure bet to score on Monday night. Yeah, I think I 100% agree with you on that one. Um, he's proven that, yeah, he might very well take over um, the RB1 spot, injured Damian Harris or not. Um, and, yeah, the, the Pats could be trending upwards, uh, especially for this Bears game, but... As you advised me earlier, stay uh, stay rational about their their prospects. <laughs> but that'll wrap us up for our 18th episode of Football Fanatics. Check in next week, and we'll break down all these picks that we've made for Week Seven and look ahead to Week Eight for you.